Hello and welcome to episode 143 of the Mark and Me podcast. As always, I'm your host Mark. Joining me on today's episode is the director, Tharon Mohan. We get to sit and talk all about his brand new film, Dorcha, or as it's now called, The Darkness. It's an absolute brilliant horror, a British made film with so much heart and soul and people are raving about it. So I'm absolutely thrilled that he's joining me on today's episode to talk all about the process of making this film and everything that's led up to this day. But in true typical Mark and me fashion, I do like to touch base and talk about my previous episode. On the last episode, I was joined by the director, Yavor Petkov. We got to sit down and talk all about the writing and the directing process of the brand new film, Danny Legend God. It was a great interview and the response has been fantastic. It's been full on lately at Mark and Me and there's been so many interviews coming through and in this week just alone we've had four directors and it's not going to stop anytime soon. I'm so excited by all these incredible interviews and especially the up and comers that have got a whole career ahead of them. Seeing how they delve into the industry and make a name for themselves is something that I find fascinating and that doesn't change today. You're going to absolutely love the interview with Tharon and he's brilliant from start to finish. So I think the best thing to do right now is to go straight to the interview. So here's me and Tharon talking all things film. Tharon, thank you for joining me today on the Mark and Me podcast. My pleasure. Thanks for having me. What I wanted to do today, there'll be a few people that are tuning in that will discover you as a director who haven't seen your previous shorts or your most recent film. But for those people that are tuning in, what I want to do is kind of take those listeners right back to the beginning of your career. Uh, When you were growing up, what were those early films or maybe actors or performances that you can remember first made you fall in love with film? I mean, uh, I've always been a fan of horror films, I've always been. I think it's probably thanks to my dad, um, because probably he didn't realise that some of those films that he let me watch uh, was a bit too, uh, you know, over the, the age that I was supposed to be, you know, watching. So I think one of the first horror films that I ever watched was The Nightmare on Elm Street. Amazing. Uh, yeah, and from that was also VHS, you know, like, you know, like an actual video cassette. That, that's how I found it. And I asked my dad if I could uh, watch it. He said, it's fine. He could watch it. It was actually a very scary movie. Yeah. And I remember I couldn't, I couldn't sleep for nights. <laughs> You know, so obviously it's not great parenting, but you know it worked very well for me. And he always let me watch uh, horror films, but he, he obviously knew what I could watch and what I shouldn't watch. You know, nothing too graphic of that nature. But you, you know, so we used to watch it together as well. So when when I used to get scared, I used to hide under the blanket. <laughs> you know, it's too scary. So, okay, now it's fine. The, the ghost is gone. Now you can come out. You know, so that's how we used to do it. So I think Nightmare on Elm Street and perhaps The Exorcist. Nice. Uh, those were the two films that actually made me want to explore the areas of horror. Uh, nice. But coming into, well, filmmaking, it, it took me a while because uh, I, I did have a, a job in IT. That's what I used to do for a very long time. And uh, during the time in IT or working in IT, for instance, I always wrote little scripts. You yeah. Know, like, uh, you know, and that's how I ended up doing my first short film, uh, which is basically The Baby. Yeah. Um, it's about this little zombie baby that uh, it's like a parasite that you know, lives inside a woman's womb. Yeah. So it's like a disguise. So they're like partner up, uh, you know, this woman pretending to be pregnant, walking around, asking for help. Uh, they find innocent people and then the baby comes out and it eats, you know, the person and it goes back in. Amazing. Yeah. So, so that, that was my first shot film, you know, obviously zero budget. 
um, um, with a couple of people and we did it pretty well. And uh, it looks cheesy. It's basically a doll. You can see it's a doll straight away, but it was fun. That's obviously your first debut short, but yeah. where did the ideas come about and the actual idea? I know you said there was no funding, but there's one mm. thing sitting there with a pen and brainstorming and coming up with this idea for the baby. And it sounds like a great concept, but when did it actually become reality that you could get some people involved and get some cameras and some equipment and learn the art of basically putting a film together and directing a, a short? Because there's a big difference, isn't there, from the planning stage to the execution? Absolutely. I think that slowly built up. So what I realized when I started, when I did my first short film, is I, I needed more experience. And then I started working on other people's projects, and mostly for free, like production assistant. And so literally, that was my, my actual film school, even though I came from a media school, it didn't quite prepare me um, to be a filmmaker. And then gradually, I ended up working in about six or seven or eight different you know, films and um, short films as production assistant. And gradually through this journey, I kind of met people. Yeah. Especially I met cinematographers. I met good gaffers. Uh, I met other fellow filmmakers who also had a passion of making films. So gradually I teamed up with other people. So I, my first feature feature that I worked on from very the very beginning to the end, it was something called uh, Chasing Shadows. It's, it's yeah. a thriller. It's basically a neo-noir thriller uh, by a filmmaker on Khan. So I met him in uh, the London Screenwriters Festival. And that's when we had this good conversation. He said, I've got the script, uh, you know, you want to have a read and I'm just looking to get some fundings together. And if it works out, then we, we can make this movie. And then gradually, that's what we did. We ended up, we partnered up. I was more of like the producer's role, yeah. um, you know, and then obviously he, was, uh, he wrote it and, and directed it. So that was my first feature film. And that's how I met um, the cinematographer, Ariel Arthur. So he did the cinematography. He was a DOP for Chasing Shadows. So then I met Ariel. Then I met um, his gaffer, Simon. Uh, and then I met a few other few people who ended up becoming the crew for The Darkness. Yeah. Which was originally titled Dorka, Dorcha. So even getting the funding was very difficult because literally uh, it's not funded by any funding bodies, but it was funded by my friends. And also I chipped in a lot of our savings, you know, a lot, a lot of money from here and there came in uh, together to form the budget for Dodger. What I originally wrote it for was a slightly bigger budget. And then once we secured the budget, we realized it's, uh, it's only 20% of what I originally intended. Then we had to literally uh, rewrite, well, I had to rewrite basically to fit into the budget. So one of the biggest, uh, probably the biggest, toughest decision was uh, when I originally wrote the Dorcha, the Darkness. Uh, it was eighty percent period and twenty percent happens in two thousand. And then when I had to change the budget, I had to split it between half and half. So most of the films takes place in the present, and only a small portion of that happens in the early nineteenth century. When you did these shorts, we talked about the baby and then you did Purgatory, State of Mind yeah. and then short. So those are obviously ambitious, but not on the scale of a full feature length film. Um, yeah. The hell of a jump isn't there from going from a short to this big first feature length. Now with The Darkness, which we're here to talk about today, how did you find that actual big jump? You've obviously got a bigger budget. I know it's not the budget you really wanted, but it's still a budget. You've got yeah. different people you've got a team around you you've got yep. everything on a bigger scale did you find it quite intimidating or were you just kind of inspired by the kind of challenge that was ahead well intimidating i, I guess i didn't really have 
I didn't really get time to be intimidated. No. <laughs> so it was a constant battle, you know, always, there was always um, something doesn't work. You know, there was always a plan B. I suppose that that's what um, made uh, uh, made the journey so pleasurable because there was, we always worked on plan B. Yeah. There, you know, there was always something happened with plan A. Yes, it, it was almost as if we planned for a plan A, but plan A never existed. Um, so, you know, might as well work on plan B. So I think that really helped. Um, but just coming back to your original question, in, the, in terms of the scale, yeah, it was it was much bigger in terms of the crew, the number of people I was responsible for, and, and the number of people who may be technic- technically or artistically involved in the project. And as a director, or even I was also like the producer, and the other producer was obviously my missus, and then there was on involved as well, which I met on the previous film. So for all those people, I, I was in a way responsible because it's my idea that they believed in. And they said, okay, you know, we, we, we really think we can do this. But then gradually, as the closer and closer we got to the date, probably I, I was a lot under stress. Yeah. And there was also some last minute casting changes that happened because of people's availability. And to, to be more precise, uh, one of the actors had to drop out a day before the filming. Oh my God. Two days before the filming, sorry, two days before the filming, one of the actors had to drop out and that was the lead. So so that was literally, we. I had to speak to the AD, Kate, she's amazing, great AD. And literally we had to change the call, the call sheet right. uh, so that we only have Amelia for the first day. Right. So Amelia was the only actress for day one because we literally lost an actor. So we literally pushed everything into uh, the day one. So she was the only one, only person we shot for the whole day. And from day two, we bought in the option number two uh, actor. And obviously we had to unfortunately tell him you didn't get the part. And then the night before I called him to say, you actually got the part, you know, because in the other person had to drop out. He was more than excited, sir, an amazing guy. So he literally didn't have any rehearsal <laughs> because we already had rehearsal with Amelia and the other actor. So he had, he had never met Amelia, never even read any lines with her, nothing. He just literally came in blank slate, day two and we started filming with him so these kind of things that um it was very stressful but then it's one of those things we can't just pull it we can't just pull the plug and say oh wait a second we have to cancel everything you simply can't do it yes yes it's a lead well you know one of the main actors but you just have to do it worst comes worst, i would have to act i don't know <laughs> so somehow we just have to uh, get that moving so that was one of the constant battles we had whereas for short films because it's only a day filming or maybe maximum three days filming because baby was done in two nights yeah. and purgatory state was done in three days but different different yeah and it wasn't like a hectic call sheet or anything like that so we had plenty of time and we have we can always cancel and then oh something we you know maybe the location didn't work out you know, we could just email everybody and tell them we have to push it for another day. Everyone's fine. But with the feature, we got so many people, they've already blocked their dates for you. And then you can't just, you know, keep changing that around. So that was probably the, one of the biggest challenges we had. So we had to make sure we don't forget nothing. So planning, 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 planning. So when we get to the day, we have everything, whatever we need. It sounds uh, like you were kept on your toes at all times. <laughs> oh, my God. Yeah, yeah. And even we had to do everything to bring uh, the cost down as well. So after filming, I used to drive back, uh, you know, with the AD, I used to drop her back at her home. And then we used to drive the actor uh, to close enough uh, to where I used to leave. And then we used to drive back home. So every day, the drive itself would, would be in like four hours. And then the filming is what, you know, we have a proper 11, 12 hour. Uh, call sheet as well so every, every single day was probably like an 18 hour day for me <laughs> so to film it was really hectic i lost a lot of weight which is good which is always yeah good. 
if you want to, if you want to lose weight, don't worry about these like healthy eating or gym. Just make a film. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> to be precise, yeah, that that works like a miracle. You know, like two weeks, you, you know, you'll be trim and fit. <laughs> now that the film's obviously finished, at what point could you switch off and know that the final product was done? Because I've asked this to a few directors actually, and I find it quite fascinating that when you're so creative and you're so passionate about something like a podcast or a film or an album, at what point do you know it's enough to know it's complete? Because you could keep going, you could keep polishing, you could make scenes look better, you could spend longer with a cinematographer. At what point can you switch off and know that it's it's complete? That's a very tough question. I'll tell you why, because probably, I don't think so. If I, I could have kept going. Yeah, with Dodge, I think I could have kept going. I, I kept thinking, okay, maybe you know, if I had enough time, I could do a pickup shoot. You know, maybe like an add a little extra. I could, I could perhaps add a little insert if I wanted to. You know, so I think the point that I decided was I gave myself a deadline. I, I gave myself a, myself a deadline to have a timeline for the feature, because it was edited by Tajana. She was a great editor. And but before that, I put a timeline together. So at least I know, you know, this is the flow of the story. This is what it's going to be happening, a rough, rough uh, timeline for the future. So while doing the timeline, uh, there were certain gaps in certain areas, which I knew, you know, I could have, we could have added a little extra here and there. But I think I just have to make that decision where, you know, if I keep doing that, I'm just, I'm just going just gonna to go forever. The All I did was um, I went back to the script, just looking, the re reading through the script. And then looking at the footages that we have on the timeline, you know, how true is that? Is my work about 80% or 90% true to what I have on the timeline? And I came to a conclusion that whatever I had in the timeline was almost about 80, 85% true to what was on the script. Then I said, yep, that's it. That's, that's, that's your film. That's your film right there. So it was just a case of getting the VFX, um, you know, and then of course um, the editor to do their magic and, you know, make it all cool and nice and uh, and then of course once I gave it to the editor she also found some great uh, scenes and footages that I probably didn't use it yeah uh, maybe maybe there's some scenes where I cut too early and things like that you know and she she, she did all that and uh, once we had that there was no turning back literally there was nothing we corrected although we did one pickup uh, which was uh, added after the filming so yeah. literally we did the original four weeks of filming and then we had I had a break for like uh, I didn't even look at the footages for another three weeks. I just didn't want to. Uh, and then on that one, during that three weeks, I thought there's a little scene that I could add. It, it was nothing, it was something missing between Brian and Neve, which is basically, you know, the two characters who live in the early yeah. 19th century. So there was something missing between them, some connection, at least some conversation. And that's where we ended up filming a scene. If you've seen it, it's basically the conversation she has after the night she goes, uh, yeah. you know, sleepwalking. So it's basically that. Okay. So that will be shot later. That was the only thing. But that we shot even before looking at the timeline, uh, just because I thought, okay, there was there was there was something else we need, a little extra we need, and we shot that in one day. Um, so yeah, probably the only other thing we must have revisited is probably the VFX scenes here and there. Yeah, uh, because that was a bit of a trial and error. Some of the stuffs that I originally intended obviously didn't work for the budget, uh, so we had to work our way around. Um, you know. Eyes, the changing of the eyes. Basically, I did it myself while watching YouTube YouTube tutorials. So, and uh, some of the other bits, um, you know, it was done by other guy called Guy Pearson. He's pretty good as well. So yeah, all of that um, 
turned out pretty well. I'm overall, I'm very happy. Uh, yeah. I mean, out. it's it's all a, a learning experience, isn't it? Everything that you yeah. go through. And to do this and have it out there and finished and done, you must have learned so much by just basically getting on and doing it and finding out what works and doesn't work. But now it's done, it's wrapped, it's finished. You must be now really ambitious to get onto the next project and kind of correct the issues that you had on the first go and learn from it and build on it and kind of try new different methods and stuff. So where are you at now? Have you got some ideas? Are you writing? Are you kind of in talks with people? Are you already at the kind of process to start another film? Yes, I am. Yeah, because um, I wouldn't say it's way too early. There was one project that I was supposed to be doing in India. That was pre-corona, pre-pandemic. And so that was in talks and that actually did get past the stage where the studio almost said yes. But unfortunately, and then the pandemic happened. So that's, I don't see that coming back at any point, mainly because uh, India generally they depend on uh, theaters, the box office, not so much in the streaming uh, you know, the revenue, for instance. So that's basically a big setback for Indian films. So it'll take a while. Um, so I don't know if that's going to happen, but there was two other projects that I really wanted to do. One was um, coming back to the baby short film, which I originally did. I actually wrote a treatment a while ago, even before uh, The Darkness. And that was something actually, I was actually quite interested to make that into feature. So that's back in the drawing room. Uh, and then uh, probably halfway through with the script, so I've got an idea what the story is, which way it's going. Um, so I'm just going to, my idea is in the next, probably at two months time, giving me yeah. giving myself enough time to finish off that script. And uh, but there are potentially a couple of producers that I could potentially attach into the project. And then I'm going to start, you know, approaching actors um, and then getting them on board. And probably that's going to help me with the funding of the film. So that that's one of the features. And there is also... Another film, even though it's not a horror, um, I'm just loosely involved in it as one of the co-producers. It's this Italian uh, guy who's working on this really cool, uh, sarcastic, um, uh, black comedy, so to speak. It's like a feel-good film. Oh. I really like the, the you know, it's, it's nothing to do with horror at all. It's just yeah. a comedy, but it's nice. It's, it's a lovely feel-good film. So I'm involved in that. Um, so so I'm working on that as well. It's, it's an exciting time for horror. I always think it can't get any bigger, but it seems over the last five years that it's really become the mainstream. When you think of the films coming out in the cinema over the next few months, everyone's talking about A Quiet Place 2 and the next Halloween yeah. film with um, John Carpenter on board producing and all this sort of thing. And it, it's, it's a really good time to, I think, be involved in making horror because there's conventions the the even just the stuff they sell in horror now is the biggest thing if i go on the instagram everyone's got memorabilia and merchandise and i think it's a, a really good time for horror again it's it kind of faded away in the 90s a bit and it seems to be back better than ever so it must be a great time for you to be such a big fan of horror to be involved in making even more oh my god yeah yeah i, I honestly i'm a big fan of it's funny you said the 90s. Yeah, I think you're right. 90s probably was the, the, the most, the worst time for horror, except for maybe the scream, maybe. Yeah, that was funny, but it just seemed that there was just so many sort of like American Pie and all these sort of films. Yeah, there wasn't yeah. the good. There was a few odd films like yeah. The Faculty and stuff and Scream, but there was a lot of, hmm. it's now the point where most weeks there's a brand new horror coming out, which is amazing. Yeah. And also the best thing now is you have a lot of a horror, which is kind of like experimental. Yeah. You have a very nostalgic kind of horror coming out, uh, like the It at the same time you have, you know, the It Follows, for instance. Yeah, amazing. 
Um, so it, I think it's the best time you can make a lot of experimental horror. So that, that's what I'm going to try and cash in on because I, I really want to make um, something which is quite old school. Uh, at the same time, I'm not a big fan of um, jump scare, you know, like horror for the sake of horror. So I, I rather want to work on something which is kind of slow paced, but it kind of builds builds on you. And then, you know, kind of whether it's, a, it's whether it needs to be a TV series, I don't know, or, or just a horror film, which is slightly longer than two hours. You know, it might be a bit too much, but uh, I really like the idea of writing something which kind of builds and builds and builds on a psychological kind of scale. Yeah. Uh, more sort of a haunting thriller where there's a little bit of an in investigative element involved in it. So it won't be just um, like possession or something just taking you over and then killing you or revenge, for instance. I need something yeah. which is psychological at the same time, needs to have a bit of a moral at the end of the, you know, so when you leave the cinema, so when you finish watching the film, you'd be like, okay, there is some meaning to it. You know, um, doesn't really have to be a positive message as far as there is some message. And then it's kind of makes you want to think and as far as you can sleep some nights over it, that'll be my work done. So that's the plan. So this time I'm actually going to spend more time in the writing yeah. uh, rather than rushing into it. So I really want to get, get inspired. And probably that's something that I lacked uh, for, for a while until maybe after um, The Darkness. I, I actually stopped watching a lot of movies. Um, so I just want to get back into it. So I'm making a whole list of uh, horror films, especially the ones I've already seen, which I really want to see again, watch again. Yeah. Uh, old school, anything from the, you know, the 80s, the 90s. Even even early two thousand, like films like The Orphanage, for instance, yeah. uh, the 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 Spanish movie, yeah. that's really good, really really good. I don't know what's the duration of the film, but when the first time when I watched it, I, I just thought it was actually pretty long. It wasn't just like a ninety minute movie. I think probably it was close to two hours. I think, and there yeah. was enough stuffs in there to really make you think. Such a beautiful story, and Maybe. same with uh, some of Mike Flanagan's um, um, The Haunting. Yeah. series you know the haunting for blind manor and the haunting of hill house things like that where it takes you to places and then makes you think and makes you hate and makes you cry and makes you love you know you know have that mixed feeling and emotions that'd be nice it's definitely a good time to kind of get back in and watch as much as you can especially with lockdown yeah. and times when we've got more time than we've ever had i think with streaming services like shudder and arrow film and stuff as well and all these companies pushing horror out there every week there's a new film and it's not always big directors there's a lot of up-and-coming directors as well that are getting a platform to show that their work is strong and it's an amazing time it's all these independent filmmakers that i know are getting their work seen yeah that is true it's i don't think it's a, it's, it's the best time i guess um the pandemic obviously is a very bad thing but yeah kind of helped us it really pushed uh, the streaming into people's hands uh, it was very, obviously, it was very heavily used in in, in, in the Western countries, in Europe. Yeah. Not so much in Asia and, you know, not so much in Africa. So with, with the pandemic, what has kind of helped is it really helped the OTT platform uh, extend its reach. So a lot of people, when I remember, even before the pandemic, when I used to talk about Netflix and Amazon Prime, a lot of my friends in India, they're like, okay, yeah, 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 we know, we know. Okay. But they don't, they don't really heavily depend on it. They said, like, they know it existed. They probably used it. And that's about it. But now the amount of people who actually use it and the amount of uh, OTT movies, um, movies that's been released straight into OTT, it's, it's, it's a lot more than yeah. ever. You know, so that really helps. And now people are watching um, different languages. They don't care about, you know, worried about subtitles, looking at subtitles anymore. And there was a time when, oh, it's, it's a movie with a subtitle. I don't, I don't really want to watch it. But it's not, it's not that case. You know, even European audience, for instance, 
um, who probably didn't really like watching movies in subtitles. They just they just watch everything they get now, you know, because of the quality of the content is good. Plus, um, you don't really have to be like you said, uh, you know, like a famous filmmaker or someone up and coming and new. As far as your subject has got some, you know, some good stuffs in it, a, you know, a good trailer and a good synopsis, you know, it's it's up to them to watch it. Some, some people might just watch it for 10 yeah. minutes and leave it. But still, you know, it extends the reach far beyond. You don't look for names anymore. You know, you can just look for the content and what it looks like and you can decide whether you want to click play and watch it or not. You know, so it's, it's definitely a great time. There's a lot of people that listen to the Mark and Me podcast that are at film school or aren't at film school and are studying and self-teaching themselves, stuff like um, Adobe and different types of editing software and stuff. Now, what advice do you give to people that are like yourself, that are wanting to get into the industry, that are making films, that are very passionate about film, to try and stand above everyone else and get seen? Because anybody right now with a phone can make a small film and put it onto instagram or facebook or youtube but what advice do you give to people to try and go that extra mile or to be seen or to be in the right place to get their work out there i think the best thing to do is um, pick pick a technology you like and uh, make the whole thing in it like for instance if you said phone now there's a lot of film festivals which are only accepting movies made on phone, for instance. You know, so a lot of different uh, avenues, you know, some could be funded by Apple, for instance. But um, so my advice would be, you, you know, make something as short as possible. It doesn't have to be lengthy. Some people think if it's a short film, it has to be like five minutes long. Not really. Make something as short as possible, but in that short span of time, make it to the best quality possible. So that means if you make something, a short film which is like a minute long if you have a beginning and a middle and an end within that minute if you can write something for it then your whole focus is is on getting that act completed the best possible way just for that one minute yeah so that now gives you opportunity to have perhaps um you know um you, you don't really need a great deal of technology nowadays the key thing is lighting Never, never skimp on lighting. No. You might think, oh, it's just lights. Not really, no. If you, if you don't have lights, if you don't have good lights, if you don't have somebody who understands lighting, it's going to look flat. It's going to look terrible. Yeah. The second thing is art. Even though many people, when we write, we don't think about art at all. It is, okay, it's, it's, a, it's in a room. You can shoot this in a room. You can shoot in my room. But with this plain white walls, it's just going to look boring. Yeah. So art and lighting, these are the two most underrated things when it comes to filmmaking. Whereas you can actually, like you said, with good lighting, you can actually use an iPhone, you know, or, or any phone. And then the quality is going to look amazing. Of course, then be careful when if you write something for the dark, if you're going to write something, if you're going to shoot outdoors, then it's very tricky. Yeah. And then you can perhaps, um, you know, um, do something like a found footage, for instance, then you can get away with it. Yeah. Uh, you know, something like that. So my advice would be write something which is really short which is basically a runtime of 30 seconds to a minute. So you don't, you're not really complicating things and, and put in ideas, bring in people with their own kit, which always helps. You know, you, the, the number of cinematographers you're going to meet, you know, even experienced ones, if your idea is good enough, they might just work for, you know, just for, just for you. They might just work for experience, not really experience. They might just work for the fun of it. If your idea is really good, yeah. the amount of people you actually meet, you will say, you know what? I actually like that. I got a couple of days off. Maybe I can do this for you. Amazing. So 
yeah, go to events. There's a lot of meetups that happens now. Of, of course, because of pandemic, it's mostly on Zoom. Yeah. But otherwise, there's a lot of events that happens every now and then, every day, every week. You have something on Facebook saying film filmmakers group, photographers group, cinematographers group. So go there, find your people. If you don't have a buddy already, you good at the camera, then find one, and then just invest in that little little script that you want to write. And then focus on it and plan it well in advance. Give yourself a month, two months, three months to plan. And when the day comes, you'll see all that planning would come into places and it's going to look amazing. That's some amazing advice. And, I, you know, even me, who is not a filmmaker, I'm now inspired. I'm like, I'm going to go outside and make oh. a film. But, you know. <laughs> I'm glad. <laughs> and the one thing I do on this podcast that's very different is the outro music that's on the podcast um, is chosen by the guest. Now, we make this a bit different by putting you on the spot. And I understand it's not easy, but it can be any song, any band, any piece of music from a film, a score, an artist, or just a song you love from an album. But if I give you too long to think about it, you will get the list down to 10 and to five and struggle. But when I ask you the question, what's the first song that comes to your head that you think is a perfect representation of you, your love, your heart your soul and is the song choice that you think would be perfect to then end this interview well yeah strangely enough soon as you said that the first song that came to my head was um the song called in your eyes by peter gabriel oh, okay yeah. uh, i think it's probably mainly because of uh, that scene that came into my head where um, um john cusack was holding the boom box over his head yeah it's saying say anything yes yeah. so yeah. that's a song that came to mind is very cheesy very romantic but there you go you <laughs> had a tune <laughs> i want to thank you for your time and coming on the podcast today genuinely it's been inspirational i love listening to people that are passionate i love people that are going to go places and i can't wait to see where your career's gone to see the darkness is so good and it's so brave and ambitious for a debut and it's incredible so i'm really really excited to see where you go next and I just want to thank you for your time and uh, you, you coming on here today has been an absolute pleasure. No, I thank you, Mark. And it's, it's been a pleasure, especially I know what you do in your podcast. So to be on the podcast is, is, is an honor. And to talk yeah. to actual people listening to it, that's amazing. That's my work done well there. Amazing. I can't wait for right. your journey and where it takes you. And in a couple of years, come back on and talk about the next project, you know? Oh my God, I can't wait to get you. Know, that, that's my next challenge now i've got i've got a, a milestone now that i want to come back to your show again with uh, another feature film to talk about uh, have a good one and uh, love what you're doing so there it is there's my interview with me and tharon an incredible writer a fantastic director and so down to earth so positive throughout and i think he gave some advice there that is some of the best that i've had in over 140 episodes I love the way he talked about how he created these small films from nothing when he was growing up, how he then took that upon himself to develop and then become a feature writer, producer, director and now release his brand new film The Darkness. It's an incredible journey that he's been on, but just the start. I think he has such a great journey ahead of him and I can't wait to keep track of where he goes. I think some of the advice he gave is the best that I've had on over 140 episodes. To hear how he advises people to get into industry, make their own work and get known and honestly some of the best advice I've got. So thanks so much to Tharon for coming on the show and hey we joked at the end of the episode but you're welcome whenever you want to come back on and I can't wait to speak to you again.
I hope you guys out there today have enjoyed the episode just as much as me. I love hearing from these up and coming directors and it's so inspiring to listen to and always makes me want to create and do better for myself and I hope it has that effect on you too. I'll be back in only a few days time with another brand new episode. It's so busy and it's not going to quiet down anytime soon. All I ask in the meantime is to share these episodes. I'm seeing more and more people doing it every single week. And honestly, it makes a massive difference. Think of all your friends on your network that might not know about this podcast. If you share it on Facebook or Twitter or Instagram, it's going to bring a new audience to the podcast. And that is something that money can't buy. It really is a case of word of mouth being the powerful tool out there. And it's free. So please keep that coming. It means the world to me. I do have a Patreon page set up. It's on markandme.com. On there, you can sign up for as little as a pound. I'm giving away the best prizes I can right now, some exclusive badges which I've had made just for patrons, and I've got some incredible stuff lined up for the near future. So if you can afford it, it's about a pound a month for the little subscription, and it makes a massive difference and helps me to keep the podcast going on all these amazing platforms and travel and get more and more interviews out there for you. I'll be back with a brand new episode very, very soon. So until then, look after yourself, take care, and I'll speak to you all soon.